You can have a seat as you're sitting down. Give somebody a fist bump, a high five. Let them know that you are glad they are here this morning. And if you're worshiping with us online, we are excited to have you here today for Mother's Day. How many mothers do we have in the house this morning? If your mom is here, make some noise. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So today, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you in here. Our goal today is, moms, we want you to feel special. We want you to feel loved. But above all of that, we want to exalt and glorify the name of Jesus. Amen. Moms, you are important, and we don't want to take anything away from that. But here, we're here to worship Jesus. We're here to draw closer to Jesus. He said that as I am lifted up, I will draw all men, all people unto me. And that's what we're here to do this morning. And I know that celebrating a day like Mother's Day can bring a mix of emotions. There can be the, the happy mother, the mother who, is, who, who has their children. There could be the, the kids who's this is their first Mother's Day without your mom. There could be the spouse whose mother checked out. There's a range of emotions. But let me tell you this morning, Jesus is the answer for each one of those. Jesus said he would be the friend who sticks closer than a brother. So if you're struggling with one of those emotions today, let me just point you to that cross, point you to Jesus. Because that's what it's all about this morning. Someone said, mothers, being a mom is the greatest sacrifice and one of the greatest blessings all in one. Most moms know what that means. It means you don't get the new clothes that you want because you have to go buy shoes for your kids or uniforms or outfits. Your car might not be as clean as it used to be. You might have a few extra gummy bears or Cheerios or goldfish or an unidentified object in between the seats that you just pray, Jesus, I hope this is bubblegum. <laughs> Your house might not be what it used to be, full of clean interiors and sparkling windows. It's been replaced by little fingerprints and a trail of cheese snacks and toys and clothes and whatever else that they drag out that morning. But there's a blessing in there. And I found a poem that I want to share with you this morning. Somebody took uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and they, they adapted it to a mother. And it says, if I live in a house of spotless beauty, with everything in its place, but have not love, I'm a housekeeper, not a homemaker. If I have time for waxing, polishing, and decorative achievements, but have not love, my children learn cleanliness, not godliness. Love leaves the dust in search of the child's laugh. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints on the newly cleaned window. Love wipes away the tears before it wipes up the milk. Let there be light. Love picks up the child before it picks up the toys. Love is present through the, child, or through the trials. Love reprimands, reproves, and is responsive. Love crawls with the baby, walks with the toddler, runs with the child, then stands aside to let the youth walk into adulthood. Love is the key that opens salvation into a child's heart. Before I came, became a mother, I took glory in my house of perfection. 
Now I glory in God perfecting my children. As a mother, there's so much I must teach my child, but the greatest of these is love. Moms, we love you. If your mom is here, I'm going to hit time out, and I want you just to give your mom, your grandma, a big hug right now. If they're not here, if you're watching online, if your parent, your mom isn't here, send a text. I am giving you permission to use your phone in church. I'm giving you permission to get up, move around, go hug your mom's necks. If you're here as a husband and your children aren't here, you can give your wife a hug and say, you are a great mom. In fact, I'm going to do that right now too. I'm going to hop off the stage, live stream, on got this. Firewheel, we love our moms, don't we? Hey, I mean that. Text your mom. If your mom's not here, shoot her a text. She might say, what are you doing texting me in the middle of church? And you could say, pastor told me I can text. It's okay. He told me to tell you I love you and you're a great mama. I remember when I was four or five years old and we had a Doberman pitcher whose name was Sheba. And I loved that dog. And she was kind of an inside, outside dog. And, and one day she came in and she did some business in the living room carpet and you, you can imagine what that is. And I, I think I was five. And I was like, I'm going to help mom. I'm going to clean this up. So I went and got the paper towels and the, the trash can. I was like, oh, yuck. And there was still a little bit of residue left over. So I was like, I'm going to go get something to clean up the carpet. I got a white bottle that had a blue label. Clorox. This was in the mid-80s, so we had that lovely green carpet. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you guys are like, oh, we had that same carpet. That's nasty. That na and, and so I took that Clorox, five years old, thinking, I'm helping mom. This is great. And I just, blop, 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 blop. Okay, that's probably enough. And I wipe it up. And as I'm wiping it up, I think my mom smells this smell. And she's like, and she runs into the living room. We had a small house, so it wasn't like, she had to run far. She comes around, Joshua, what are you doing? And I look up and big smile, I'm like, I'm helping clean. Sheba pooped and I'm helping clean it up. And she sees that Clorox bottle and she goes, great, thank you. You're such a good helper. I love you so much. Let me see that bottle, please. Mom knew I just ruined the carpet. Mom didn't take a second and yell at me. She lovingly hugged me. She told me, thank you for being a big helper. I was a big boy that day. And later on, she explained, do not ever put bleach on my carpet again. <laughs> In a very loving way, I love you, Mama. I remember uh, one Christmas, it might have been roughly around that same time, I got a toolkit a toolbox from my dad for Christmas, and it had like uh, some little boards, a little handsaw, some of those penny nails, and a, a little hammer, and I, I said, I'm going to make mom a necklace with this stuff. So I took some rope, and I took one of those small pieces of wood, and I wrote best mom or something like that on it, and I, I, I hammered the rope into the board, and I gave it to her, and I was like, mom, look, I made this for you so you could wear it to church, and she goes, <sighs> Thank you, baby. But you know what? She wore it to church. I'm fairly certain she ditched it as soon as she dropped me off in Sunday school. <laughs> but she wore it to church. 
I also remember waking up pretty much from my, my junior high years on and hearing mom and dad reading the Bible. Hearing mom and dad praying over me and my sister and brother. I remember mom has a, a sheet of paper and each, each one of our, my name, my brother's name, my sister's name, our spouse's names, our kids' names is on that paper. And by it, she has a verse that she prays over each one of us daily. Moms, you are important. You pretty much run the show. And today, I want to talk about a mom who did just that. You see, we call prayer simply that talking to Jesus, just in a very overly simplified term. Prayer is simply talking to Jesus. I don't know if you've heard that new, that new song out. This, it's called Talking to Jesus, and it's, it's kind of in a story format, and it starts off, Grandma used to pray out loud by her bed every night. To me, it sounded like mumbling, like she was out of her mind, probably praying in tongues. She said, boy, this kind of praying is what saved my life. You ought to try it sometime. And I know she was right. She was talking to Jesus. And she'd been talking to Jesus for all of her life. The song goes on to talk about how his mom did the same thing. And she dragged him to church Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And throughout that, he began the process and the daily habit of talking to Jesus. And one day his kids come in and they hear him talking to Jesus. And they're like, hey, dad, I see you're busy. I'll come back. He said, nah, this is the perfect time. This wasn't an accident. But that's because of the influence of grandma, the influence of mom talking to Jesus. And so many times we, we watch award shows or we watch sporting events. And who's the first person that people always say, I love you too? Mom. They say it to mom. So many times you hear the power of a praying mom. You hear, man, I remember my grandma praying for me throughout all of these situations in life, and without grandma, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Moms, grandmas, even dads, your prayers are supremely important for your children. And today we're going to look at a passage in the book of Matthew that talks about just that. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 15. You see, this mother comes in and has a conversation. She's talking to Jesus. And throughout this conversation, it changes her life, it changes her daughter's life, and realistically, it changes the lives of everybody around them. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We'll have the, uh, the, the verses up here on the screen. It starts off, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus was tired. He had just got done feeding the 4,000. He had just walked on the water. He had just done all of these mighty miracles that we see. And Jesus withdrew so that he could get some rest. The Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus actually went into a house and was hoping that nobody else would come around and see him. Jesus was tired. How many of y'all have been tired before? You're like, I am done. Moms especially, but even dad, all of us. We've been to that tired place before and we're like, Game over, I'm done, I'm locking myself in the bathroom, nobody come find me. Somehow the kids always find you. But you, you're done. 
And this lady comes up to Jesus, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity, came to him crying out. Now real quick, this just shows us, this woman was triply marginalized in this situation. Number one, she's a woman. A woman. Women were not valued back then. Your value as a woman back in those days was if you could provide a son. That's pretty much it. That's why throughout the entire gospel, when, when Jesus interacts with women, that's a big deal. That's not just like a little side-passing note like we might think today. That is an incredible deal, that Jesus is spending time talking to a woman. That is scandalous. Not in the way that we think of it today, though. The fact that the first two to witness the empty tomb was two women. Their testimony wasn't even valid. Jesus is validating this. And this was a woman who was a Canaanite. She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't from the house of Israel. She was not only a Gentile, but a Gentile from another place, an outsider. If you're feeling like an outsider today, let me just tell you, there are no outsiders in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. Jesus loves you. Jesus values you. Jesus cares about you. You are the apple of his eye. And that's why this story takes huge precedence. Because this is about a woman. Now on this day especially, we're like, oh, moms are great. Moms are awesome. We love mom. Mom, without you, we couldn't do this. Moms hold the world together, blah, blah, yada, yada. We, we, we build up moms. But back then, that was, not, that was unheard of. And so a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. What's verse 23 say? Just pause right there, Harrison. What does verse 23 say, though? Jesus did not answer a word. What? Huh? We think of Jesus and we think of this, oh, he just, he's so loving, he's so caring, and, and he is, he's all of those things. But this woman comes up to him and is like, Jesus, help me, I need you. Help me, my daughter's possessed. I, I need you. And he just sits there. Now, I like to visualize these passages when I'm, when I'm reading the Bible, and I can visualize Jesus just sitting there at the table. They're sitting on the floor, and, and, and Jesus is talking, and this, this lady comes in and starts making a scene, and he just keeps looking over, talking to Peter, talking to John, whoever. And, and, and you know when, let's just pull it back to our kids. When your kids are talking and you're trying to carry on a conversation with another adult, and they're like, Mom, 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 Mom. Mom, mom, mommy, mother, mama, mama, mom, 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 mom. Your kids don't do that? Man, you guys have got awesome kids. We need help, Summer. This crew, we need to take notes because their kids don't do that. Wow. Either that or y'all lying in church. Woo. Jesus, help us today. This woman was beginning to cause a scene, and, and Jesus just didn't answer. So it goes on to verse 24, the rest of verse 23, and it says, so his disciples came up to him. His disciples were like, Jesus, 
Do you not hear this woman? She will not be quiet. Come on, send her away at least. She's talking to you. If you just say, hey, lady, leave, she's going to leave. If you just say, get out of here, she's going to go. Just kick her out. She keeps crying after us. And Jesus answered. So Jesus kind of just doubles down on this whole ignoring her thing right here. And he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So this lady comes before Jesus. She has an issue. She has a big problem. Her daughter is in desperate need of Jesus. And Jesus ignores her. Jesus' disciples come up to her. And they're like, Jesus, please just kick her out. We cannot stand this lady. She is driving us crazy. And Jesus says, no, nah, I'm good. I was only sent to the, the house of Israel. What? Does that sound like Jesus, the Jesus that we picture to y'all? No. What is going on here? So the woman came and knelt before Jesus. Lord, help me. She is desperate. She falls on her knees and says, Lord, help. And Jesus again looks at her. And in the next pad, the next verse says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He just called her a dog. Now you might be saying, Josh, this is Mother's Day. Are you aware of that? We're talking about Jesus calling this lady a dog and you're on Mother's Day. This is your first sermon to preach on Mother's Day. What are you doing, Joshua? What Jesus was doing here, he's really testing her faith. You see, if you work, look at the word dog in Greek, that word right there, it doesn't mean like street dog because uh, so many times that's what we think. Back then, dogs weren't like this cute, typical house pet. Every once in a while, somebody had one of those, but dogs were really out in the street. They were scavengers. A couple times we've taken the youth to El Salvador on missions trips. And one of the first things they tell us is, these dogs out here are not somebody's pet. Don't pet them. Don't feed them. I love our teenage girls, but what do you think the first thing they do when they see these dogs? And they are ugly dogs, y'all. They're not like, I mean, they are messed up like, oh, that's an ugly dog. And those girls like, hi, so cute. Like, don't touch these aren't domesticated. But Jesus uses the word here in Greek, kyneron. And it means little dog, a puppy. It's almost an affectionate term. How many of you wives would be like if your, your husband said, oh, you're just my little dog? <laughs> Eric, is that going to go well for you if you say that to sh No. No. I can tell you right now, if I said that to Summer... I would probably have to come up here to sleep in my office. <laughs> it means an affectionate term, but there's still some sting there. Okay? There is still some sting in what is being said. And I want you to catch what she says next. Verse 27. Yes, it is, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off their master's table. 
This woman is in desperate need of a miracle. She is in desperate need of something from Jesus. Only Jesus can help her. Nobody else can come in and rescue her. Nobody else can heal her daughter. Nobody else can cast this demon out. And she fully understands that. She throws herself at the feet of Jesus. She risks public humiliation. She is already to the point where people are talking about her behind her back. Jesus has already ignored her once, said, I'm not here for her once, and then called her a dog. But she persists. She fights on like a mother does. Tim Keller says, I just had it, I'm sorry. Tim Keller says there are cowards, then there are regular people, there are heroes, and then there are parents, more specifically, moms. You see, moms really aren't on the spectrum from cowards to courage, because if your child is in danger, you simply do whatever it takes to save them. And that's what this mother was doing. But let me just challenge us this morning. How many of us have missed out on what God wants to do because we take that slight, we take that offense, and we set it right here? If this woman had hit pause and said, you called me a what, Jesus? Jesus, you know what your disciples were saying to me? You're not going to talk to me. I'm here. I need help. How are you ignoring me, Jesus? She saw through all of that. She went through all of that. That was a testing of her faith. But how many times do I, how many times do we miss out on what God wants to do because somebody offends us? How many times do we take that offense and let it become ingrained in our hearts? How many times does that offense become ingrained in our hearts and then it moves on to bitterness? And that bitterness, if directed at a pastor, will put up a wall in front of you and not allow you to receive what God wants to give to you. I'm going to say that again. Because I want to make sure everybody heard that. If you allow bitterness into your heart to take over your heart, whether you intend for it to or not, doesn't matter. But if you allow bitterness to sink in, it will keep you from the blessings that God has given you. The blessings that God wants to bless your children. The blessings that God wants to bless maybe your finances, maybe your health, maybe your job situation, maybe your unsaved family. And I've seen it time and time again. Y'all, my dad's a pastor. I've grown up in the ministry. I've been on staff here for 16-something years. I've seen it all, guys. I've seen it time and time and time and time and time again where somebody says, oh, pastor, please help. But yet five seconds earlier, they were bad-mouthing the pastor to somebody else. Most of the time, to the one person that they're saying, hey, you need, pastor, please come help my kid. They're walking away from God. But at the dinner table, what are they talking? I can't believe pastor went 20 minutes over the message today. If I'm stepping on toes, I'm sorry. I'm saying this with a heart of love. Because fire will, I care about you. And I want God's best for each one in this room. Because I know that when we're all walking with one cord, all together, when we're walking with one mind in one direction, there is nothing. The forces of hell cannot stop us. And the devil wants nothing more than to come in between and separate us and pull us apart and have us focus on some imaginary slight, or maybe it's a real deal. Maybe somebody legitimately hurt you. Guess what? Jesus said, forgive them. 
This mother had the opportunity to walk away multiple times. Multiple times. Most of us would have, Jesus didn't talk to me, okay, I'm out. How many times do we say, it's so hard to pray because I just don't hear God? I don't hear, I don't, I don't understand what Jesus, I don't, I don't feel like I hear Jesus talking to me, so I'm not going to pray. Let me ask you, who's that, who's that harming? You. Us. The people sitting around you. Your church, your family, your friends, your coworkers. But this woman set in the face of all of that and she replied back to Jesus, can we please put that back up there? She doesn't disagree with him. She doesn't try to defend herself. She humbly and simply comes in and says, you're right. I have no reason to think that you I'm not an Israelite, I'm a woman. There is no physical reason that you should help me. But Jesus, even the dogs, you just call me a dog, even the dogs get a little bit of something off the table. And I want you to catch what Jesus says right after that. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed that moment because a mama was talking to Jesus because a mom refused to allow anything between her and the blessing that Jesus had for her. Not slight, not offense, not a wound, nothing. She came in and she said, let's go. You can insult me all day long. Let's go, come on. But Jesus, I know you're the answer. I know you are the one. I know regardless of what outside situations and circumstances say, Jesus, you're the only one. And Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Do you know there is only one other person in the Bible that Jesus said you have great faith to? It wasn't one of the disciples. It wasn't Peter, James, John. It wasn't any of those guys. In fact, multiple times, Jesus challenged their lack of faith. The Roman centurion who asked for his servant to be healed, Jesus was saying, okay, let's go. I'll go, I'll go touch him and he'll be healed. The centurion said, no, you don't have to. I'm a man. I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm a man of authority. I understand how authority works. You simply speak the words and it's done. And Jesus stopped and said, wow, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. So a Roman and a Canaanite woman were the only two people that Jesus got Jesus' attention because of their great faith. Church, it wasn't coming to church on Sunday morning. It wasn't wearing a nice suit and tie. It wasn't singing beautiful songs. It wasn't going out and giving $1,000 in the offering. Hey, all of those things are good, and if God tells you to do that, you better do that. It was the woman's faith when she spoke, and her words aligned with what was in her heart. And when we do that, there's something supernatural that happens. 
When our words line up with God's word and it aligns with what we're seeing and believing in our hearts, something supernatural happens that I can't explain, that science can't explain, that no one can put a calculation to. But Jesus saw this woman's faith. It was her faith that got Jesus' attention. And to the mom this morning who might feel like Jesus isn't seeing you, I know I've talked to a couple of you ladies, a couple different people in our church, who's like, I just don't, sometimes I feel like I'm not hearing God, and I feel like God's left me. To the mom, to the dad, to the parent, to the grandparent, to the young person who feels like God has left you, God sees you. Last week, Pastor Tim Sutherland came and talked on that very topic. If we look at another mother in the Bible, Hagar. Hagar wasn't part part of the promise that God promised Abraham. God told Abraham, you will have a son and, and his descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And after many years, it just wasn't happening with Abraham and his wife, or Abram and his wife, Sarai. So Sarai said, hey, why don't you go and conceive a baby with my servant? That was a custom back then, so they, they might have thought maybe this is what happens. Maybe this is what God wants. They didn't seek God's approval. They didn't seek God's permission. In fact, Abraham was probably a little too eager. He hops in. Hagar becomes pregnant. Hagar is not exactly the kindest to Sarai after this because as I mentioned, women, your only worth back then was if you can offer a baby, if you can offer a boy. And that changed Hagar's status from maidservant to wife. It wasn't the same as Sarai. She was still above her, but it still changed it. And that dynamic caused some problems. And Hagar said, that's it. I can't stand this. I'm out of here. And she runs out into the wilderness. She takes a break and an angel of the Lord comes up to her, begins to talk to her, says, what are you doing? Hagar explains the situation. The angel says, go back. Go back and return to your boss. Your child, the child that is within you, will be blessed. He will be the father of many nations as well. And Hagar in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all this messed up situation, says, I see you. You are God who sees me. You are El Roy, the God who sees me. And this morning, church, I want you to know, he sees you right where you are. Whether you feel it or not, he sees you. He cares about you. He is concerned with what is going on in your life. Moms, he sees you when you're washing the dishes. He sees you when you're, you're cleaning the house for the umpteenth time in a day. And it feels like nobody else is paying attention. He sees you when you, you carry that weight of, should I go and serve at church on, on this extracurricular thing, or should I stay at home and take care of my kids? He sees you in that struggle. And let me tell you, your family is the number one ministry that God has entrusted to you. Moms, dads, your family is the number one ministry God has entrusted to you. 
As the lead pastor-elect, I completely understand that. If, if we build this church to 15,000 people and all of my kids walk away from the faith, I have failed. God sees you. Is he going to see your great faith? Or is he going to see you walk away? Both of these moms stood in the face of persecution and continued on what God had said. The Syrophoenician mom who was seen by Jesus because of her great faith, her boldness transformed her daughter's life forever, transformed her life forever. And I guarantee you it transformed some of the people around them, their life as well. Because people recognized what was going on in that little girl's life. And when she came back completely healed, they had no other explanation except Jesus. One conversation with Jesus changed this family tree. This morning, one conversation with Jesus can change your life for eternity. And this whole week, I've been praying about this moment right here. Because one conversation with Jesus is all it takes for your life, your family's life, your family tree to be completely changed for eternity. You see, this story, the Syrophoenician woman's story, is actually a really beautiful picture of the gospel. In this, though, we're the dogs. We're all the dogs under the table with no rights whatsoever as members of the family of God. I acknowledge that I don't deserve a place at the table, but I believe that there is enough even on the table for me. Just a few crumbs will be enough, Jesus, that I believe then in amazing grace and mercy, our Savior lifts us up no longer as dogs, but as children. He invites us to the table. He picks up the dog underneath the table and sets us at the head seat and says, come on, my child. Come here, my son. And that is the picture that Jesus is painting right here. That is the picture that he wants each one of us to understand that this morning, wherever you are, all it takes is one conversation with Jesus for him to say, come on, I love you, my child. Welcome into my family. Your life is forever changed. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. I will forgive you. I will restore you. And I will seat you at the table as a member of my family. But are you willing to see yourself as that dog? So that you might become transformed into the child. So many times we overlook our sin as just a that's not a big deal. We try to categorize sins, right? We try to look at sin as like, well, I was speeding. I didn't kill anybody. I yelled at my mom. I wasn't cussing. I watched a little something I shouldn't have watched. I wasn't addicted. I wasn't sleeping with somebody else. But the Bible says one sin is all it takes 
to separate us from God. One sin is all it takes. It doesn't matter if it's speeding. It doesn't matter if it's taking a grape at the grocery store. One sin. If you're online, one sin is all it takes to separate us from Jesus. Maybe your sin is greater than you realize. Maybe you don't feel worthy to sit at the table. Maybe you don't think you're good enough that what you've done is just too bad. Let me tell you today, Jesus' mercy and grace are greater than you could ever imagine. And he wants a relationship with you. If you will just talk to Jesus today. Romans says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And I know of no better day than Mother's Day of 2021 to say that's the day that I began my walk with Jesus. That's the day that I recommitted my life to Jesus. That's the day that my family tree was forever changed. We don't have to do this, but this is just what we're going to do right now. If I can just get everybody in here to bow your heads and close your eyes. This is not the only way, I understand, but this is what I'm going to do right now. Because I don't want to call, I don't want to embarrass anybody or anything like that. Right now, my eyes are the only eyes that are open. Maybe today, you feel like that dog. And you want to say, I don't want to be a dog anymore. I want to be a child seated at the table with Abba Father, God my Father. I know I've sinned. I know my past is messed up. But I know he'll forgive me. It's not get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. Come just as you are and allow Jesus to clean you up. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand so that I can pray with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to wait forever. If there's something pulling at your heart, pop your hand up so I can see that. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. Go ahead, you can put your hand down. I want everyone to repeat this after me. Just say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I was a dog. But because of your love, your sacrifice on the cross, I am now transformed as your child. I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. You came back to life to have a relationship with me. And I believe my sins are forgiven, my past is erased, and my future is heaven. In Jesus' name. Fire will have a great day loving Jesus and loving people. We'll see you all next week. Bring a friend with y'all. God bless.